Welcome to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hanson, hosted by attorneys Sean Garner and Adam Hanson. Good morning, Yuma. This is Life, Death, and the Law. I'm Sean Garner, attorney with Deason, Garner, and Hanson, in studio here with Cody Beeson, and our special guest today is Savannah Soto. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. So, Cody. Good morning. Elections. Um, oh, boy. We, we, we've all hopefully woken up and uh, are starting to get our lives back to normal. Uh, it wasn't what we expected, but fortunately, that's not what we're going to be talking about today. Everybody else in the world is talking about that, but what we want to focus on here is things that affect us locally and uh, don't get the headlines that they probably deserve. So one of the things that we're going to talk about, and the reason we have Savannah on the show, is the local government services that we receive or don't receive, and uh, what we could do to improve those, specifically our school systems and the quality of, of the education that our children are receiving. I also want to get into um, hospitals, um, emergency responders, police, firefighters, and what are just our first thoughts on those? Now, we know that the individuals in those organizations, by and far, are doing what they can to assist th- their fellow human beings. But it's the organization, generally, that handcuffs them and limits their ability to actually be as productive and uh, efficient as they can. So, Savannah, you ran into an issue recently with your son who is in seventh grade right Mm -hmm. and i don't want to get too much into the the specifics and the details i'll I'll leave it up to you as to um, what you want to disclose there but tell us what's going on so obviously during covid they didn't go to school you know fourth and fifth grade ish because of the whole staying home doing everything online so he actually went back into school sixth grade and he almost immediately started getting bullied. They have anti-bullying posters everywhere, right? That's every school has them. And initially it was just people talking down to him and it wasn't a specific person. It was several different. Um, when brought up to the teachers, they were more like, okay, we'll talk to him, asked him, never talk, spoke to him at all. So then by this year, it got to a point where I don't know what's going on, but he got hit by some random kid just walking to the crosswalk. He's had stuff stolen out of his backpack. When he got hit in the shoulder? In the back of the head. Some kid came up and punched him in the back of the head. Hmm. And nothing was done. The crosswalk guy was there. Really? Yep. Saw it. Just asked him if he was okay and then didn't do anything. The police officer was out by the buses, which was like maybe 10 feet away of where it happened. Didn't acknowledge anything. The very fact that there's a police officer indicates that we have an issue with this. Yes. But what's the point of a police officer if he's not going to do anything? So he was basically there, in my eyes, to direct traffic. Because that's what all, all he was doing. Overly qualified <laughs> public safety officer, right? Yes. He's qualified to take down the bad guys with you know lethal force, but he's walking kids across the street when somebody gets punched in the head, turns a blind eye. Yes. And so obviously the first thing I do is I've had an open communication with the school principal. So I've brought up every issue we've had along the way. He's made it very clear to come to me for anything, the counselor as well. And when I did, I even gave names. This is what took place. Never heard back. It took another situation at school um, for my son to speak out to the counselor. And then they brought me in and they were just pointing fingers at one another. 
Now, would you describe yourself as the mama bear type parent? No. <laughs> so I'm very strict when it comes to do your homework, do this and that, be nice to others. But I'm not the, there's lots of parents out there that, you know, gentle parenting, I'm not for that. I, that's not my personality. I'm very like, hey, deal with something that's coming at you because that's how I am. I deal with everything head on. Um, so I want to, I want to just interject <laughs> here that Savannah is an office manager here at Deason Garner and Hansen, and she has this finesse about dealing with situations. Every office has it. We have 12 employees that work here, and sometimes there's uh, issues between staff members, whether or not they're following up with the standards that the firm requires or whether or not they have a dispute between one another. And she's able to get into the situation without overanalyzing it and making it more stressful and uh, uncomfortable than it needs to be, just addressing the issue. And you leave feeling, well, I haven't been necessarily reprimanded. I've just been set right. And I've even been a participant in, in, in those types of discussions where I haven't been following the protocols because I'm lazy or whatnot. And she says, hey, remember, this is the office policy and we need to do A, B, and C. And when I leave, I feel like that was the appropriate way to do it. I don't feel like she's talking down to me or lecturing me. We're just, we're correcting an issue. So I, I really admire the ability and the charisma that you can go about these, uh, these dispute resolution issues. And that's why it really surprised me the pushback that you received at the school. So when you went to the school, how, what was your overall impression with how they handled the situation? I think once I got everyone in the room at the same time, principal, vice principal, counselor, um, the officer wasn't available to speak with us. It was just, again, they were pointing fingers. Well, did you follow up with that? No. Well, I see it's in your trash mail. Literally, my emails were in the junk bin that were purposely put in the trash. It wasn't, it didn't go to spam. It literally was in the trash bin. And, so, and did you catch them like... You, they did that live like they looked at their email address or they pulled up the emails account. i never got the emails yeah. i said really because i've sent several wow and that's when one person would say i see them right there in your trash bin so then that person was like well did you follow up since you saw the email well no i was waiting for you to say something so, so where's just, the accountability just passing the buck yeah so this happened more than once mm-hmm. you had several visits and um when I hear, and I've got six kids, and several of them have gone through these issues, and I've addressed it different ways. Sometimes I've gone in person, and I've asked um, permission from the principal to go and just speak to the class and speak generally with enough detail that the, the people that are doing the bullying can understand, hey, I know what's going on here. And uh, we're going to expose it first generally, and then we're going to get more specific if need be. And that seemed to help. Um, I've also written the teacher individually and said, this is what's going on in your class. You are the person that is the first line of defense, and you are allowing this to happen. You're allowing this bullying to take place, which is going to deteriorate the learning atmosphere that you're trying to provide for these kids, not not to mention just a safe space for them to be in. The safe space specifically. There's tons. We know there's tons of kids at home that don't have that safe space at home. 
Right. So they should be able to go to school where they feel that they have that safe place to go to, the teachers to look up to, and that just wasn't happening. So you escalated it. Yes. And what what happened then? So even when I contacted the district, because at this point I've had conversations with all admin, the district said, well, I'll relay your information over to the administration of the school. I said, ma'am, I don't think you understand. I've already had a year's worth of conversations with the admin at the school. So at this point, if the admin isn't doing their duty, who do I need to speak to if you're saying you're just going to relay that information? She said, um, unfortunately, that's our policy. So Government at its <laughs> finest. Yes. And I think we find this at many levels of government, that they are their own um, judges, juries, and executioners. And so the accountability is completely lacking. Mm. And so when you went up to the supervisors, presumably we would think, well, the supervisors have gone through the system, they've been teachers, they've demonstrated excellence in their ability to uh, educate our, our children and provide safe spaces for them to be in, and that's why they have been promoted to be administrators. But that's not necessarily always the case. Mm -hmm. We're looking at degrees and what I call tickets. You know, they, they have the right education, they have the right credentials, and so they, they get placed in these positions of authority, but they don't necessarily have the tools, common sense-wise, or even, even the, the experience to see this is what happens and this is how we deal with that situation. They've got an instruction manual of procedures and, and a lot of bureaucracy, and that fails... Mm. That in general, that fails us when it, when it really comes down to it. So you went in and you tried to hold the administration accountable and you got stuck. So what was, what was your alternative then? The district literally told me, you can switch him schools, but you're going to have the same issues or you can homeschool him. Those were my options. Or you can run for school board. <laughs> and it was what in that same week of me speaking to the district... I get a phone call at work to come immediately to the school because the crisis center is being called. In my eyes, I was like, what's happening? They're not telling me anything. Just get here immediately. When you hear crisis, you I'm like, like something happened. Yes. My kid's injured. Something, you know. <laughs> yeah, that that's red flags I'm all over panicking. the place. Panicking. Mm -hmm. And of course, I get there immediately and they make me wait for an hour because they're still waiting for the crisis center to get there. Wow. In the meantime... That's got to be torment emotionally. Yeah. I was like, is my son okay? Yes, he's in an office over there. Okay, well, can I speak to him? We're waiting for the crisis center. Finally, we all speak Did to Did they the allow you to speak center. with your son while you're waiting? Maybe like five minutes before the crisis center got there. And I was able to ask him, are you okay? What happened? And he's like, all I did was send an email to my counselor saying, I'm done and over this, about talking about the bullying at school. Okay. He's had this open communication with the counselor. I said... What else did, you know, what else? He's like, that's it. And she called me to the office and I got stuck in this office. Okay. So crisis center gets there after they do all this investigation and have me step out, question my son, bring me back in, question us together. They're like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and deny the request for the level one facility. I was like, excuse me? I, I'm confused. What is this level one facility? They're like, the request was to come here, evaluate him and place him in a level one facility. No. You and I know what a level one facility yes. is because we deal with uh, people that go through m mental issues, mm -hmm. typically when they age, and sometimes they uh, lose control and they need to be placed in a lockdown facility mm -hmm. where they're not permitted to leave voluntarily. Yes. That's what we're talking about, yes. that type of facility. Mm -hmm. And so 
I said, what would have brought this on? They're like, we just need to make sure that he's not a harm to himself or to others. I said, what has he done that has made it seem that he's a harm to himself or others when really he's been harmed nonstop here at this school? And he's like, I agree. That's why I'm denying it. <laughs> so that was a shocker to me. That was my final call. I'm done. I'm pulling him and he will be homeschooled. So it seems like when there's the opportunity to intervene incrementally and address the issue at the grassroots level, it's kind of brushed over, brushed over. And then when it gets to this can't continue going on, it's looked at as potentially suicidal. That, mm -hmm. that perhaps is why they called for the, the crisis team to come in and get involved. And uh, now we'll pay attention because there's a lot of propaganda going out there. I, wouldn't, I don't know if I'd label it propaganda, but there's a lot of news and headlines going out there about how we need to be very careful with our kids and make sure they understand that there's a lot of life worth living, mm -hmm. even if you feel like there's nothing else worth living for. And, and, and suicide is the answer. And so we don't want that to happen. But what's being missed in between is all the common sense practical solutions, which is, okay, there's a jerk in class. Tell him that that's not acceptable. Mm -hmm. Give him a, a, a disciplinary action that is relative to, to the type of behavior that he's displaying. But we don't need to go from zero to DEFCON 3. And with nothing in between, because several times did I give names of kids that did this, this person took this, this person did, you know, caused property damage to his stuff, this person, and they said, we'll look into it. And they said they were going to reprimand these kids. Never did. No follow-up. Nothing back towards me. I know other parents, so they all speak, right? So, hey, have you heard about, you know, so-and-so? No, they're still going to school. Everything's fine. And it's the kids that are... There's fights there every week. It's crazy. Oh, and we're talking about middle school. <laughs> middle school. Junior high fights every week. And to a point where my son's like, I don't even want to say something to that person because they're one of those that fight all the time. I'm going to get beat up. Not only will he, he's, does he think he's going to get beat up, he said he's in a group of friends. Like every single time these people are in groups, right? He's like, I'm going to get jumped. <laughs> he's mm -hmm. like, I don't want to fight. Mm -hmm. And when I bring that up too, they're like, well, we don't know what's going on. It is kind of crazy this year and last year. We don't know how to stop all the fights. And I understand there's so many teachers. They can't be everywhere at all times. But you always overhear stuff. In passing, people overhear stuff. So if people are hearing it in passing, why aren't you doing anything to prevent it in the classroom, bringing them out, maybe calling their parents in? I mean, when I went to school, the kids that fought got expelled. Yeah. <laughs> like, how, how is that not happening? Yeah. If they know who they are. Well, and I, when I went to school also, if you didn't get passing grades, you didn't move on to the next grade level. Yeah, that's a thing of the past, too. Right. So what is it that is pushing the education system to fail our students, our children? We've got to go on a break. We'll discuss this more as we come back. This is 560 AM KBLU, Life, Death, and the Law. More thought-provoking conversation coming up next on Life, Death, and the Law, right here after this.
Hey, you, my Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit YumaEstatePlanning.com. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back, Yuma. This is Life, Death, and the Law. I am Sean Garner. I'm an estate planning attorney here in Yuma, Arizona. I've got Cody Beeson here in studio and a special guest, Savannah Soto. She happens to be uh, the office manager here at Deason, Garner, and Hanson. And we're talking about the local government services that we receive because there's, the headlines are all over the news. They're on the radio. They're on every podcast about the national elections, about the statewide elections. What we forget about a lot of times is what's happening at a local level? What effect affects us right here, right now? And, and it's there is quite a gap in there. There's the school systems, there's the emergency responders, and there's the hospitals, and we don't talk a lot about those. So today we're dedicating the show to those local government agencies, and specifically we're talking about the school districts. And what's going on with the school districts? We know that they went through a difficult time with COVID. They kept getting mixed messages from the national government and then from the state government as, as far as whether or not they could open up and uh, have in-person classes or whether or not they had to do it over Zoom or virtually. And now we're, we're 100% back in-person, going back to school. But the damage that occurred because of all of the COVID breaks, it, they're starting to manifest themselves mm-hmm. with people acting out, they're being aggressive, and uh, there, there's a lot of emotional trauma that went on during that period when they were shut down and locked in, in at home. But how the the teachers and the administrators are, are handling it seems to now cause some alarm to parents that it's not being dealt with appropriately because it, it's, it's escalating higher than it's ever been in the past. And it's really crazy because that's one of the things they said when I spoke to the administration at one point was everyone was locked up for so long they don't know how to act. Okay, so what are we doing to fix that? Well, and if it's happening to you, how many other parents are also going through this as well? Because there's a lot of parents that both parents work full time. They're exhausted by the time they get home. They they expect their children to be in the hands of professionals that are trained to deal with these types of situations. And if their kids are telling them that, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to get through, but they're just being bullied um, and they're not getting a response from their parents, then maybe the kids being silent because it's embarrassing to discuss this with your parent or any adult. And if you're not getting the type of response that you need, then maybe you just internalize it, and that's where it escalates to become 
something much more grave, whether it's an ongoing mental issue or even suicidal attempts. Mm-hmm. And all of the bullying that has gone over the past year has turned into a medical issue now because there's a lot of stuff going on in the bathrooms at school. People fight in the bathrooms. People do all kinds of stuff. Why do they fight in the bathrooms? I see that. My kids go to schools and they, they're showing me videos uh, every other week about a fight that occurred and it always seems to be in a bathroom, which, you know, there's a lot of tile and sinks and urinals and, and it doesn't seem like a very clear, open uh, forum to be mm-hmm. conducting a fight. Why is it in a bathroom? And it's funny because... Okay, the bathroom can be dangerous. Think about all the tile, the glass and the mirrors or whatever that's out there, the sinks, right? If you hit your head on any of those items, you're clearly going to get a concussion or worse. Right. Right? So, I mean, there were fights when I was a kid, but it, it typically happened on the playground where mm-hmm. there's grass. I mean, yeah, it doesn't make it... You have space to room. Like, safe, move around. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, there's not hard porcelain objects right around there. It's mm-hmm. prison rules now. Prison rules. <laughs> yeah. So is it the bathroom because there's... Um, no monitors like there, there's no security guards or cameras in the bathrooms i really do feel that because one an adult isn't going to go into a restroom unless they hear something wrong going on because there's minors in there using the restroom clearly because of you know not wanting to be accused of anything right mm-hmm. so i feel that that's the main part there everyone's not going to step in i can do what i need to in the bathroom and no one's going to do anything unless they hear something i feel that would meet my train of thought Right, it's not regularly monitored. Yeah. So, but so then, obviously, people don't want to use the restrooms because you don't know what's going to go on in there. So now my son has all kinds of um, stomach issues that we're having to go back and forth to Phoenix Children's Hospital for because you know Monday through Friday he's holding it in all day every day. He won't even he won't use a urinal. He won't use a restroom. He'll hold his pee in. It got to a point where he got dehydrated because he didn't want to use the restroom or have the urge to use the restroom, so he just wouldn't drink a single thing all day every day, even in the heat. Wow. So, and I know that uh, the schools get paid from the government per student that mm-hmm. attends, so that they're incentivized to keep the students at school. And on the surface, that sounds good. We want students to be attending school. We want them to promote attendance and, and not allow for truancy without looking after these kids and say, hey, what's going on? Obviously, education is the way for a better life. But uh, it seems to be now that it's just attendance. That's the only focus. It's not education. It's not, like we've said before, providing a safe place for them to be. It is just get their body on the school grounds so we can collect our check. And that is an absolute abuse of of what the intended system was for. And that is to provide a place for our children to receive education so they can be productive citizens in society. Mm -hmm. Um, And so since they have this incentive, this is what I've heard from my children at home and other teachers that I've spoke with is that uh, what used to result in an expulsion of a student that was bullying or fighting at school now continues to be a light slap on the wrist, miss a day or two, and then come back to school because expelling them is not an option. And also a result of no child left behind means it doesn't matter if they have the education to move to the next grade, if they have the credentials to move up in the grades, they're going to move up because the, the teachers are essentially being penalized if they hold any student back. So the system has really turned on the people that are working there. And so we've put the teachers in this impossible 
situation where the bureaucracy, bureaucracy has taken over. They can't conduct their classes and educate the children in the way that they understand will promote education. And I wonder if this is filtered up to the administrators or if, if there's just so much red tape and bureaucracy that the administrators now are, are numb and indifferent to what's going on because perhaps they've attempted to do, do what's right and been ignored so many times. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's that the administrators that are being put in these um, situations, they don't really have the skills and the experience of having taught in the classroom and demonstrated compassion for the kids to the extent that they've been able to help the students excel. And that's why they're being promoted. They're being promoted simply on um, criteria of what education and certificates they've acquired. What What's your standpoint on that. I really don't know if it's one or the other, if it's a mix. I think it's a mix. I have friends that are teachers and I have friends who say, you know, in teaching, they've had to reprimand or they had to do something and then they themselves get reprimanded by administration. I have a friend that moved schools because she wasn't, she felt she wasn't allowed to do her job properly at one school and she moved to another and it's fine. So I think it's a mix. You can go to one school, do your job, teach them properly, guide them, you know, hold them back if you need to, the other one you can't. So why? Why is that? Like, why at one and not the other when it's the same district? So what's going on? It has to be These at the These are all school public level. schools you're talking public about, schools, not yeah. private schools. All public schools. And I, so if I hear a teacher telling me this, I even had another teacher at my son's current school when I said, well, what happens if, because he has doctor notes for everything for all his appointments, but there was one teacher that would not allow him to make up any work. So he's a straight A student. The lowest grade he's ever had is a B. And in that class, he has a D. So why? Because of the missing assignments. And I'd reach out to her. Here's the doctor's notes. Uh, you know, attendance has it. And why well, don't allow makeup work? Okay, well, if it's excused for a doctor, why does, is that not allowed? He didn't just, you know, he didn't ditch. He didn't stay home because he didn't feel like going. He was in the doctor's office. I don't allow makeup work. So I was concerned about that. I said, what happens if he, you know, has a D or drops to an F because of that? By the end of the school year, are you going to hold him back? Oh, no, it'll just be a conversation and move forward. Okay. <laughs> That's an absolute problem. So my question to you, both Cody and Savannah, what's the solution? And, and the reason I, I, I'm happy that both of you are here because, Cody, you've served on the city council for eight years. Right. And, Savannah, you're a parent. This isn't your first child that's gone through the school system. What is the solution? Well, from the city council point of view, we have nothing to do with education. That is a county like, responsibility. So, but, so w- would the public turn to the county supervisors? Um, I think the school board. I think that would be the way to go. And, and that's, I'm, I'm glad we got there because there's a, a number of times where there's people that, that would run for school board and it's a write-in that would end up getting it because there's not enough people to, to fill that seat. And we have grandparents that run for those seats because... Are those paid positions? No, they're volunteer. But they're important. But, I mean, again, you guys are both parents. How much extra time do you have to go down and, and listen to, you know, the, the bickering of the, the school system and have to deal with that? You know, it's, it's tough. And, and so I can make time. We can all make time for the things that are important and, and put it that high up on our priority list. But when I look at the news out there, 
and I look at the Department of Justice um, labeling parents or people that get involved yeah. as domestic terrorists, then that is a huge disincentive for me. It feels like I'm fighting against a system with the cards stacked against me. Oh, I mean, I, I feel how Savannah feels here. Like, that's exactly how I, I think of it. Is it's stacked against you. So the solution, I suppose, what you mentioned is run for... Um, Get involved. The school board. The school board. Run, run for the school board. Um, the election for school board is how often? I mean, they vary because I think it's every couple of years you'll see uh, different districts on, on the ballot. But at the end of the day, I mean, that's where you have the influence or at least to change the policy. Um, but then again, like we've talked about, it's such a bureaucracy. Does anything really change? You know, it, it just sounds like people pass the buck. So I don't, I don't know what the solution is. What actually. authority does the school board have? I mean, they set the policy and they're going to... Do they uh, have hiring and firing authority? Of the administrator of the... Well, I mean, yet the school superintendent is actually elected. Mm-hmm. You know, your, your whole county superintendent is elected. But the school board sets a policy for that school or for that district. And so is a superintendent, is, is he putting to a, a vote what policies he would like to do and implement through the school board and how he implements them? Is the school board able to hold him accountable if he violates those policies? You know, I think he's he's independent of them. Or I think it might, I'm not sure who the new county school superintendent is because it used to be Tom Tyree for years and mm-hmm. now it's not. Uh, point being is, um, they they are an elected position and I know they're independent of the board but the board you know those are the those are the ones that are in place to set the policy for the district that being said we need people um we've needed people children to learn math science and reading mm-hmm. we have to take a break we're going to come back and talk about what you did personally what what solution you had to find and maybe it wasn't optimal but what solution is available now and what we can do in general as a as a community to help solve these problems or provide proper remedies. This is 560 AM KBLU Life, Death, and the Law. More thought-provoking conversation coming up next on Life, Death, and the Law right here after this. Yuma, Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back, Yuma. This is 560 AM I'm Sean Garner, an attorney with Deason, Garner, and Hanson. We do estate planning, but right now we're talking about community issues. We're talking about the local government 
and the role that it plays in our everyday life. We like to talk about the national government. We like to talk about international affairs. But the local government affects us every single day on the ground. And Savannah is an office manager here in my office, and she's dealing with this with her child who's being bullied at school. She's a very involved parent. And uh, I've seen her on uh, firsthand experience deal with conflict resolution in my office and do a fantastic job. In fact, that's why she holds the position of office manager. So um, she, she applied those same principles at the school district level and run up against a brick wall. So, Savannah, what solutions have you had to resort to? So, other than going directly to administration when I didn't see anything going on there, I would email or reach out to individual teachers. This is what the situation is. Can you please monitor this? Or in this case, in this class, this is what's going on. Can you please assist my son? And some did reply and gave me feedback. Some did reach out to make sure that he was okay, to see what they can do to assist him. And there was two teachers that were actually very comforting where he felt he could go to them. Others just didn't reply. Like, it's not my problem. Do you think that's because of indifference or they're overloaded or they, they've done this in the past? They've just kind of shirked their duties and there is no accountability. What's, what, what is the reasoning for that? Well, I always feel that our school is overloaded, right? So every classroom is a large classroom. And in middle school, you actually deal with six or seven classrooms of 35 or more kids each. So yes, I do think they may be overloaded at times. And I do feel that maybe they have because some people are new teachers, they may not have ran into that past and maybe don't know how to address it. But there's teachers that have been there for many, many years, or in teaching for you know 20 plus years. And I feel like sometimes those teachers tend to be like, eh, whatever, it'll pass. So what's what did you didn't get positive results from that? I, I know the whole story, so I, I'm just going to jump to it. That didn't work for you. Correct. So then what next? So at this point, since I'm not getting any positive feedback and my main priority is my son and his health and his safety, we decided to go ahead and homeschool him. And so he actually excelled when it was COVID. Oddly, he is very fast paced and can get things done usually within the first 15 minutes of class, as opposed to some you know, students taking the hour to do everything. So now he has more of, I can work at my own pace. I can, he's actually working ahead. He just started homeschool last week and the teacher's like, oh, he's actually working on an assignment for next month. Yes, because he already worked through all of that stuff. So if he doesn't have to deal with all of the drama that goes on at school, he can actually educate himself. Yeah. There's teachers, of course. There's an assigned teacher who gives the assignments, who is there for, they do do um, two live, like, check-ins a week just to see if there's any questions or on an assignment or maybe how to submit something. But he's actually very well at, you know, give me the project, I'll read it myself, I'll learn it myself, and move on. Wow. So that's an option. For those of you that are listening out there, you can do homeschooling. You can stay within the district. The mm-hmm. district will provide the materials. Oh, really? All right, so you're not that's paying out of pocket doing. for this. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Oh. Until when I called the district to say, what do I do? And they said, switch him schools, but he's going to have the same issues or homeschool him. That's when they told me, we actually offer a homeschool package where you get assigned one teacher for all you get the chromebook just like you would in class oh see i thought you were paying for this like out of yeah, pocket now it's, okay it's still directly through the district so and he's the getting district, the same curriculum and they still make their money 
per student. Directly to the district as opposed to the funding going to that specific school he was assigned to. No kidding. And, and I think that's the right way to go because if they're providing the services, if they're providing the laptop and they're paying the, the teacher's salary that's, that's doing the online learning online education for the students, then uh, that's where the money should be going. It, it, it's a version of capitalism blended in with our educational programs. And the people that do it best should get rewarded. The people that fail, they should go the way of the dodo bird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think they kind of have to. Um, otherwise, yeah, you're going to see charter schools come in here and just chip away at their budget. So, they, I mean, they had to be nimble and move and, and make adjustments. Right. And I have, I love charter schools. I love private schools. I love the less that the government is involved in our personal lives. I feel like that's the, the better way to go. But I also understand the needs of society in general and that we've got a lot of the population that they're doing everything they can to keep their heads above water and provide for their families. And they've been provided this fundamental educational program where they have to be involved, go to the public school, that's their first resource to go to, and when that fails them, they feel like they, there is no alternative. They feel like they can't pay for the private schools, and they don't understand the availability of the charter schools, or maybe there isn't that much availability there. And so those individuals that are stuck in um, a public education keep getting less and less resources because the parents that do get involved and have the resources to withdraw their students from them are doing so. And so then the public schools continue to decline in uh, the level of education and services they provide. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's a tough situation. But I also believe that as hard as it can be sometimes, you have to allow institutions that are not working fail. Um, I, I didn't agree with the bailout of GM. Now, I'm no economist, and I don't know what that would have done to the economy, but I also didn't agree with the bailout of the banks back in 2008. I didn't agree with the moratorium on foreclosures of houses back in 2008 when people um, had these subprime loans and then when interest rates went up they were these arm loans that yeah. that that continued to increase the, the their monthly payments and they couldn't afford them anymore i felt that you'd had to allow the system to work out and the houses to be foreclosed upon somebody else that could afford it come in fix it up allow them to go restart they could file bankruptcy clear out their debt but not keep the house because that brings the whole neighborhood down and devalues everybody's um, real property. I think that really perpetuated the, the decline in the economy with the real estate bubble bursting. And it happened again in uh, 2020 with COVID with a moratorium on evictions from people from their houses. I, I had lots of clients that their, their retirement was the rental income, the rental income from the investment properties that they had acquired over a lifetime. And then when the renters weren't required to pay, regardless of their ability to pay, they just simply weren't required to pay, then um, that destroyed the landlord's ability. So what they did is as soon as they could, they sold those homes. They over flooded the market with houses, the interest rates were so low, mm -hmm. that people were out there buying houses that were available at astronomical prices and now we're having another slump because of it and i believe all of it is 
if it's not caused by the government, it's exasperated by the government. And the same thing here. If the system is failing, we need to allow it to fail. And it is gonna, it's going to hurt, but it's going to cause parents to wake up and say that what's going on is not the solution. We can't award incompetency. We can't push more and more funds into a school system that is not working. We can't put more funds to administrators getting paid larger salaries or are put in the position of administration if they're not doing their job well, and that is overseeing all their teachers and making sure, number one, the students are safe and and close behind it that they're getting the education that they can provide. That's all the time that we have for today. Thank you for listening. This is 560 AM KBLU Life, Death, and the Law. If you have questions or want to know more about something that was discussed today, please call the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hanson at 928-783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. Hey, Yuma, Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com.